Well, as you can see from the uh, screen, um, our text today, as we talk about access, uh, our access in heaven is, is restored to God. Uh, we're going to be starting in chapter 22 as we work our way through Revelation 21 and 22. And so we finally got into uh, chapter 22. And this uh, portion um, really marks the last bit of the vision that God gives John about the heavenly kingdom, the New Jerusalem, the that we're going to be a part of. This is the last part of it. Next week, we actually get to talk about something a little different as far as why heaven matters into it at the very end of the book. But uh, this is the last part of the vision. And uh, what you'll see in this as we read it, um, the access that we used to, that we lost, how it's been restored. We're going to talk about why it matters. So let's get to the text. Uh, Revelation 22, 1 through 6, reads like this. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. As clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits, the prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. So there's the last part of the vision that we get of heaven and uh, some things that are, I think are important to point out as far as our access to God uh, are this. First thing we notice is that access to life is restored. It says there, the angel showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God. We also see the tree of life in there. Now think about uh, heaven as we talk about uh, it is this renewal. Right? It's not a recreation. It's not something new. It's a renewal. Things being set back right, but even better, the way that God intended. And we look at the Garden of Eden, and we realize that in the Garden of Eden, there was a tree. And Adam and Eve had unrestricted access to the tree of life. Right? They could go to it at any point. They could eat of it. They could, it, it would restore their body, give them um, life. But they sinned. Right? They fell short of God's glory, and God said, I have to limit their access to the tree. Right? Why? Because now people will have the ability to create their own standard of right and wrong, even though ours don't always match up with God's. And can you imagine how horrible the world would be if we had access to the tree of life? If we could live forever. And we talked about how we would corrupt that. Right? How eventually very powerful people, because we are sinful now, would have gotten control of the tree of life and have used it as a weapon to make other people uh, subservient to them. Right? And it would be a, a, a place of war. It would be a, a place of control and of wickedness. So God limited our access to the tree of life. Well, something happened in that. Not only did we spiritually die, but we started to physically die as well. And every one of us bears that mark of the poison of sin. Right? We still have that poison of Eden in us, and all of our bodies die. All of our spirits, like we said, we fall short, our spirits die, our bodies die. Ever since Eden, we have been separated from access to life. Right? So the moment that we are born, we are destined to die. We know that our time here is temporary. 
right? And so we spend a great deal of our life trying to cling to the little bit of life that we have, right? To extract as much out of this life as we can. That's the way that most people live, right? Because life is precious and it's short and it's, it's, it's fragile. And so we live to hold on to because when you don't have life, you really don't have anything. Because we've been separated from, from our access to eternal life. And yet we see when God comes back, when Jesus returns and we are perfected, and when his kingdom comes in fullness and there is no more darkness and he totally separates the dark from the light, right? Wickedness will be completely removed in us and in our culture and in life. We will be able to have access to life again. Now look at how he does this. This is an amazing thing. One, it says that there's a river of the water of life, not just a living water, right? Living water would be like a river rushing instead of like a stagnant pool. This water is living, it is flowing, it's a river, it's moving. But that's not what it's really saying. It is the river of the water of life. Just like there's the tree in the Garden of Eden was alive, it was a living tree, but it's also the tree of life. This is the water of life, something unique, a river that has never existed in this world. Right? It has the power itself to bring life. Now think about this, an uh, uh, interesting thing. The, the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, how was it watered? Through a spring. Right? So everything in the Garden of Eden was fed through like the, underneath the ground. There was springs underneath that, that watered everything. Right? So it received its water, its life, from the earth. Right? From a purified spring of this earth, from creation. And it brought us life. But in heaven, God doesn't want up. The river that feeds the tree itself will be of life. And where does the spring come from? The throne. You see, the spring underneath where the tree of life was originally fed was corrupted, right? When we sinned, all of creation was corrupted. There is this whole law of entropy now that now takes effect and everything falls to decay and corruption. Right? And so there was a spring that fed the water of uh, the tree of life that we corrupted and destroyed. <laughs> but now there is a new spring. And this spring is a better spring. It is a spring of life itself. And it comes not from the earth, not from creation, but from the creator. It, it flows not from a place where we could corrupt it, but it flows from the throne of God. Now, will the throne of God ever depart heaven? No. You think about, even in our rebellion against God, have we ever been able to dethrone him? In our wickedness? I mean, we say, well, we dethroned him from our hearts, right? We worshipped ourselves and not him, but we do know in Scripture that he's still king of kings and lord of lords. There is a coming a time where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord, right? To the glory of God. Even Satan, even the most hardened, Atheists, even those who thought they dethroned God, they really didn't. God's throne is solid. It is secure. It's not going anywhere. Even the armies of heaven, right? The angels, a third of angels that, that followed Satan in rebellion, were they able to dethrone God? No. And now in a perfect city where no darkness comes, where, where, where the nighttime of the soul has passed, where wickedness will be completely removed, where security is eternal, do you think God's throne all the more would ever leave? No. God's throne is, is certain. His authority, God's presence in heaven will never depart. 
It is, it, it cannot be removed. It is more certain, more sure than anything else. And that is where the river comes from. So will the river of life ever cease to flow? Will there ever be a time when we can go and, and somehow corrupt its source and to mess it up? No. Isn't that hopeful? Isn't it amazing that God, he makes this river of life for us, saying you have access to life. Now look at where the river flows. Because this was kind of a funny place. It says, and it's flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great seat of the city. Where does he put the river? Down Main Street. Now, isn't that an awkward place to put a river? Think about me. You guys were here last September, right? <laughs> you saw the pictures? You think, well, you know, city planning, maybe not so much, right? Why would he put the river right down Main Street? Well, remember that the river that flowed downtown was a river that was result from the flood, right? Or from the, from the fall, right? We still live in a fallen world, and so that was a river of destruction. This is a river of life, right? It won't destroy like the river that flowed through our town. But why Main Street? Why would God, what is he teaching us? What is he telling us by saying this river is going to be right down Main Street? Who, uh, who goes to Main Street? Everyone, right? That's why it's Main Street, right? Is it hard to find if you go into a new city you've never been in before? Do you have a hard time finding Main Street? No, I mean, it's called Main Street for a reason. It's right there. See, God didn't take his river of life, his access to life, and put it in some back pool somewhere underneath some temple or something like that, some shroud, right? He didn't separate it. He didn't make it hard to find. God is making life right down the main street of our lives, right? Access is there. You cannot miss it. You can't, you don't have to have crazy directions to get there. It's easy. It's simple. That's where he brings it. In fact, um, it's Ezekiel 47. If you want to read the first time in Scripture that this river is prophesied and talked about, read that one. It's kind of cool. It talks about how it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, it's, it's pretty awesome. This river is, exists for everybody. It's there. But the cooler thing, even beyond that, is that what we find by the river. It's not just the river itself is there. It's not as Jesus said, you know, this is the water of life. If you drink it, you know, it's going to never thirst again. It's going to become up a well up within you, a, a bubbling spring of life. The river itself would be enough. But God goes above and beyond. There was a tree in the Garden of Eden that was destroyed. We're separated by it, and then it was destroyed in the flood. Now what do we have? We have a tree that's on both sides of the river. Most likely trees. Right? And this kind of tree, this tree of life, is not watered from the ground, but watered from the life of God himself. And these trees, not just one, but multiple, have multiple crops. We talked about a couple weeks ago the importance of numbers, what God was telling us. Twelve crops. Twelve. God's people. There is fruit for all of God's people. There will never come a time where there is not life for you in heaven. Never. Like, there's never going to come a time in heaven where God's going to say, ah, I ran out of life. We have a drought. We're going to get up there and be like, huh, well, everybody else ate all the fruit. None for you. Never going to happen. Not just one tree, but rows and fruit all the time, always in season. Now, here's an amazing thing, too, on this. Look at how powerful this is, how God is telling us, underlining it, circling it, highlighting it, putting it in, in neon lights, 
about how much we have access to life. He doesn't just heal the person. Look what he does for us as a people. It says, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, for the ethnos. If you look at a map of the world, right? It looks like somebody took the globe, like maybe took a map of the world and dropped it and it shattered and then they kind of glued it all together, right? Maybe colored the little spaces in between it. Isn't that what it looks like? When you look at a map, we are divided as a people. The ethnos are divided, right? That's what we do. We create borders and boundaries and say, we're, gonna, we're here. This is us. You're over there. And we can go to war with you if we want to, or we can try to seek treaties, but we're not you, right? We have been broken. Humanity has been shattered. The nations will be healed. You know, often you read that, and you're like, why would the peoples need to be healed in heaven? What was the point of that? Do you realize that God's purpose in this, he's not just going to heal us as individuals, he's healing us as a people. There's not going to be an us and them. There's not going to be a shattered globe. There's not going to need to be passports. Right? We are one people in Christ. It's an amazing thing. It's so phenomenal that we, it's hard to even imagine. Right? Yes, there will be every tribe, language, nation, all the things that God made in the diversity of people will exist there, but we will exist as one people. A people of God. There's not going to be the outsiders anymore. We're all together. It's an amazing thing that our access to life will be completely restored. Regardless of our history, regardless of our backgrounds, if we are in Christ, we are His people. Why does this matter? Think about how most of us live. Think how most people live. We live for this world, don't we? We, we try to take care of our bodies so that we can have life, right? So we can extend our life and enjoy the life that we have so it can be healthier, right? So there's nothing wrong with diets. There's nothing wrong with exercise. God says to steward those things. But if that becomes our ultimate goal is to improve our life here and to live longer here, it's a pretty bad investment. I mean, it's an investment you know is eventually going to go bankrupt. You know it. Everybody dies. There's no dude that's standing around that's like 700 years old, right? Uh, even all the people who juice and do yoga, they all die, right? And so if we invest in health, we're investing in health, hopefully for a bigger thing, not so that we can cling to these bodies, so that we can use these bodies better to invest in the kingdom, right? Because there is a new place, a new health. Our hope is there. And it also means, you know, if sickness comes into our life and our bodies will eventually break down, it doesn't freak us out. Because I got a new one coming. If I have to face some illness or disability or something here, I'm not being gypped by God. If he trusts me with a difficulty now, he's trusting with me with it, right? There's an opportunity in the midst of it. He's still with me, but you know what? I will be made whole. We all will. And so when I breathe my last on this earth, it's not that I breathe my, breathe my last. I still have life. I will always have life because I am in Christ. It changes our perception. So the life that we have, if he has given us difficulties in the body, we invest them for the kingdom, Right? Because now is an opportunity to use the illness to bless them. I think my wife, she's a wonderful example of that. She does this thing on Facebook. I never am on Facebook. But she, she is touching the lives of people by just being honest about how God is in her life in the midst of her brokenness. And people are, are being touched and moved by that. Illness can be a powerful thing. But you know what? Same is true with me. What am I doing with my health? With, with the healthy body that God has given me, am I investing that too? Am I investing 
the good body that I have now for the kingdom of God? Am I using the things that I, that I have, the, my strengths for his kingdom? Because now is the time of opportunity. Those strengths won't last forever right now. So am I using them for him? Also, what about wealth? We invest a lot of our lives in, in building great careers, don't we? And building, you know, climbing that, that ladder. And eventually the ladder falls down. You retire or you die. Right? And so, really, if, if that's where we're putting all of our energy in, it's going to fail us. But we know that there is something coming. And Jesus said we can store our treasure in heaven where that ladder doesn't fall down. Right? To, to store up things for him there. Well, if we do, then my career today is only a tool to invest in the kingdom. Right? If I do my work unto the Lord, if what I do in my job, I'm doing the best that I possibly can because I'm serving him through it and I want him to be glorified through it and I use the position and the abilities and the strengths that I have today to not invest in this career so much as I'm investing in my career in heaven because in heaven I don't start over. I continue. And if I show God that I can be faithful here in these things, if I'm heavenly minded in how I do my work and I do it with integrity and I do it with righteousness and I do it in a way that honors God, well, then what I do in my career matters, doesn't it? And then if I get laid off or the economy goes south and I lose my job or whatever, or I get some mean boss or something and I get fired, I don't freak out because I didn't lose my real career, right? I'm living for a life that I have access there forever. Something that truly matters is just I'm changing the venues of how I'm investing in that. How about our wealth? A lot of times we, we invest, we, we save and save and save so we can have security in this life, right? So we can enjoy good things. Nothing wrong with that. But there is, if that's our end goal, if, if fat bank accounts and security in this life is really what we're after, then it's going to let us down. Even if we die wealthy, right? Because then somebody else gets to spend all your money that you didn't get to spend, right? But God says, you know what? If you have those things and you steward them well and you are heavenly minded with our things, not just with money, but all the things that he gives us. If we are using those things to build the kingdom, to store treasure there, then the wealth that I have on this earth will actually be of benefit there, right? Because I would have stewarded them with a heavenly mindset. If I'm investing my life, my time, my resources, my gifts, my skills for heaven, if that is where my real life is and that's what I'm really living for today, well, it changes everything, doesn't it? If I lose my wealth, if I lose my job, if I lose my health, guess what? I have health, wealth, and a job. Secure, right? But the question is, was I faithful with what I was given whilst I had it? And that's why heaven matters. Because it's an assurance that what we have today does matter. But there's more. Not only do we have access to life restored, we have access to God restored. The coolest thing. It says, no longer will there be any curse. Can you imagine? No curse. We're not separated from God. There's no death. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and His servants will serve Him. Remember, in Eden, when we sinned, first thing that happened is we lost our access to God. God would walk with people, face to, you know, with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And ever since then, no one was able to see God face to face. Not even, not even Moses. You know, there was a tent of meeting where God would meet with him. And Moses would go in there and his face would glow like a light bulb and it would freak people out. So he put a veil over his face because when you meet with God, you glow. You know? he, even Moses, who was close to God, like that. Couldn't see his face. Because if you see the face of God, you've got to be pure. Even the angels in heaven. We've got descriptions of heaven. And we've got angels up there that have got six wings. And they have two wings that they use to fly. And the other four wings, 
Two of them are to cover their feet. I don't know why that one. But then there's two of them to cover their eyes. Because they can't look at God and they go around the throne of God all the time saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Right? Even the angels in the presence of God don't have the privilege that we will receive, that we don't deserve, to see him face to face. Full access to God restored. It would have been enough for God to save us and said, you're going to come up and you're going to be my slaves. Wouldn't it? I mean, that's better than we deserve. We deserve the death penalty. And if God came down to save us and said, all right, I'm going to save you, but now you're my slaves. But it's not what it says. It says that we will serve him, and it's a different word. We're not his slaves. We should be. We actually, we don't even deserve that. But he gives us an elevation. He says, you know what? You're going to be my servants. It's like a, someone who works in a temple, someone who's there volitionally, someone's there at a position of honor, someone who can see God face to face, something the angels can't even do. We will get. That is access, right? To be there with God. Amazing. And even more so, it says that his name's going to be on our foreheads. Think about it, because that seems like an odd thing. Why would, um, boom, you know, Jesus. You know, why would you want that? Well, think about this. Earlier in the book of Revelation, it talks about another mark that's placed on people's foreheads. The mark of the beast. Right? And basically saying, you belong, boom, to the enemy. Right? And God marks us different. We are claimed as his own. There's going to be no doubt that we belong to him. Right? would be tattooed of God. An amazing thing. There will never be a time where, where we will be owned by anyone else. We will never be sold off. Right? We will never become distant and a, and a people separated from God. We will always be His. And He will always care for us. And He will always love us. And we will always have this closeness. Never again will we have that separation that we have today. Never again. And it talks about there's not going to be night. I mean, darkness, we talked about that last week, about God is our light and he's going to be in us and with us. No more gray, no more grappling in the gray. We will be with God face to face. Wouldn't it be cool in your morning, you know, if you have a morning devotion, which you should. If you have a morning devotion and uh, you're meeting with God and you're praying and all that, you read the word. Wouldn't it be cool if God just kind of sat down there one day and said, okay, this is what you need to do today. (laughs) Right? Do this and this and this. You want to talk to this person and this is I'm going to help you out with. Wouldn't it be cool? That's going to happen. God will meet with us. There's, there's no, we won't have to have faith. We'll have God. Amazing. And here's the thing here that, that really got me. The last sentence, and they will reign with God forever. In heaven, how many thrones are there? That talks about there's a, where the river flows from. It's one. There's a throne of God. Now, it says that it's a throne of God that comes from God the Father. It says, and through the Lamb. So you've God the Father, God the Son there. Of course, we know the God the Holy Spirit indwelling within us. You have the triune God as a throne. And here's an amazing thing. We will get to reign forever and ever with God. Now, this is not the first time it mentions it in Scripture. We hear other places it says, don't you know that you're going to you know, judge angels? Well, I was like, no, I didn't know that. I wish you would elaborate it. But uh, <laughs> I don't know exactly what we'll be doing. But I do know this, that we will get to reign with Christ. It would have been enough for God to call us slaves. It would have been more than enough if he would have just saved us so we could be his slaves. But he didn't. He said, you know, you're going to be my servants. But that would have been amazing. That's more than enough. But then he says, you know, you're my friends. Right? So Jesus said, no longer call you my servants. You're my friends. And that should have been enough. I mean, that's way more than enough. But he goes a step further. And Jesus even said, you know what? You're my family. You're my children. You're my brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? He calls us family. 
And if that weren't enough, he goes a next step and says, you know what? Not only you family, but all you're going to reign with me. You're going to share my mission. You're going to be <laughs> I'm going to share my authority with you. We don't deserve any of that. This <laughs> is amazing. The hope that we have in Christ. We will reign with him. Which means that, man, the things that we think of on this earth as being uh, big and important, right, are going to seem like small potatoes <laughs> when we share in the authority of Christ. Right? We're going to have to learn how to really listen to him and really follow him, right? And be really wise because God has a lot of authority. And that he's elevated us. He's taking us to that place of, of trusting us with the rule of his empire. It's amazing. Now, why does that matter? Why does that access to God matter? Think about our lives. Oftentimes, we have getting stuck in religion and we're like, I, I need to... I want to talk with God. I want to meet with Him. I don't know where He's at. You know, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. I'm looking for, for God's direction in this. The first thing is, you know, that God has already restored access to Him through Christ Jesus. When Jesus died, right, the temple, in the temple, the curtain was torn. We have access to God. It tells us in Hebrews that we can walk boldly into the throne room of God. We don't see God face to face yet, but we live with God within us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God indwells us, which means that we have access to God right now, right now. He says, ask him for wisdom. He'll provide it. Ask him for our needs and he'll take care of us. We have access to God today. His light can be in our life today. And there, it'll be without, you know, we'll see what it actually exists. But we have access to God. And we don't have to wait to heaven to be able to commune with the Lord. We don't have to go to a temple from some off, far off place and offer sacrifices in order to earn his approval so that we can have the opportunity to meet with him. We can meet with him at any moment, any time. He says, pray without ceasing. A, a constant conversation with God is yours. You see the privilege. This is the reality that will take place when we're in heaven. We will see what we already have now. Which also means that if we're going to be reigning with God forever, then ought we be wasting our lives on small pursuits? Or maybe should we be about bringing about his kingdom like he asked us to, so we can be reigning with him today? Do you know that God's given you an amazing amount of authority? He's called you his ambassadors. He's called you his disciples. He's called you to do something, Right? So our lives, if we have other things that we're doing, our, our jobs, our families, our, our hobbies, all these other things which are fine and fill our schedule. If we're just doing those things, but we're not about God's business, we're wasting the opportunity God's giving us with those things. But with my family, if I'm loving my family because I'm building the kingdom, now I'm investing. Right Now I'm reigning with Christ. Now I'm about his business because his business is ultimately about what I'm going to be about. If I'm taking my job instead of just clocking in nine to five, but if I'm there and I'm doing his work, right? I am building relationships with people so I can teach them about Jesus. I am living with integrity so I can show them his truth in a dark world. If I am building the kingdom of God where I'm at work, well, now my work matters because I'm about his business during my business, right? I'm doing everything now that's going to matter forever. It's a different way of living. Entirely, because I have access to God and He is in my life. He is in my life now. The last thing you want to do is get to heaven and think, man, I wasted so much opportunity. <laughs> Don't let that happen. 
God is in you and with you now. It matters deeply that access will be restored with God in the future because it shows us that it's actually restored today. Last thing that I want to point, sorry, baby bottle. The last thing that we'll show today is access to hope is restored. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. Do you know that the prophecy in Revelation is more certain? Jesus' return is more certain than the sun coming up tomorrow. Right? Why? I mean, this is not hyperbole. It's reality. Because Jesus could come back maybe today. Jesus may call you home maybe today. The sun may not rise another day for you. It may not rise another day for humanity. But Jesus' return is certain. It's certain. And so if we're living for tomorrow, I think we're living for the wrong things. Right? We're living for an uncertain thing. We're living for something that, that, that we know is going to let us down. But if we're living for eternity, if we are living for the kingdom of God, then our lives has power today, purpose today. And I think this is exactly where God wants us to be. As I bring this portion of the sermon to a close, uh, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'm going to ask you guys a question. How are we living for the kingdom? Are we living for the kingdom? Are we living for today? Because it's important to ask that question a lot. Even as a pastor, there are many times I look into my life and I get so enamored of this world because it's what we see and taste and touch and hear, right? And feel. This world seems so real. There are times that I can get distracted. And it's important to ask ourselves that question again. What am I living for? Where is my hope really at? I mean, look in your life, because I can't answer that question for you. Look in your life. What are your motivations? What are your hopes? What are your fears? Because I'll tell you a lot about what you're living for. Well, I'd like you to take out your, um, your little connection card again. If I just pull that out. Because on the back side of it, there's something that's called next steps. How are we living for Christ? There are some opportunities there for you to take some next steps to be living for the kingdom this week. If there's something there that, that looks like, man, this is something I can do to be investing in the kingdom. There's some things to prompt you. Please check those. Why? Because I'll be praying for you this week. I'll be supporting you this week as you keep those commitments, as you start to invest in God's things. And there's, there's several suggestions that we have. If there's something else that we didn't think of, which is highly likely that God is calling you to. There's a nice other line there. Let us know what you're going to be doing for the kingdom. We'll be supporting and praying for you. On the other side, there's also some things. Maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe you've never joined a church family uh, to, to be part of uh, what God is doing in this world. Maybe there's something else that you need to do. If there is a commitment that you need to make, let us know. And we will walk beside you and help you, but let us know. Also, if there's any prayer requests that you have, anything that we could be praying for you this week, know that you have a church family that's committed not just to meet with you once a week, but is committed to support you in prayer. That's committed to stand with you in the hardships of life, but also through the good things. Uh, let us know how we can be praying for you. Uh, in a couple of minutes, we'll be taking our offering. And Ryan will be praying for that in a few minutes. But uh, as we take our offering, we pass the baskets. If you would take those green cards and put them in the offering, um, that would be wonderful. And let that be what your commitment be. Be your offering to God as far as your, your faith, your spirit this week. Um, let's all give something of value in our lives let's, to God. Let us, uh, let's invest in the kingdom. Huh? All right. I'm going to pray for us, and Ryan will pray for the offering. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We do. Uh, you are powerful, you are good, you are just, you are, uh, you are uh, kind, you are forgiving, you are gracious. 
You are ever-present. You are eternal. And yet, you also care about the small and the details. And you care about each person in our lives. You said, you number the hairs on our head, Father. You, you know the thoughts of our hearts. You know our needs even before we ask them. And Father, you call yourself our provider, our heavenly Father, our protector, our strong tower. God, you are amazing. We love you. And the fact that we get to spend forever with you, with no separation, or access to you is restored is just amazing. And the truth that you didn't just restore access to you, but life itself, that there will never come a time where we'll have to say goodbye. There's never going to come a time where we'll be separated from, from your perfection, Father. It's, it's, it's too much, and yet it's wonderful. Father, we thank you for the hope that you give us then today, knowing that this is not a maybe, this isn't a contingency thing. But Father, you are coming back. Jesus will return. So Lord, let us live for that, the thing that is assured. Let us live for your kingdom. Help us to do that as a congregation. Father, commitments are being made. Lord, I pray that you would help us keep those commitments for you. Help us live for you today. Help us invest in your kingdom. Let us live for you and for what is eternal. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.